Hello friends, welcome to Our Power is Within. I'm your host, Jasmith, and my mission for this podcast is to inspire you to take your power back and to realize that you are the healer that you have been looking for all along. If you are enjoying the content from this podcast and the guests that I've had on the show, there's a few ways that you can help support future episodes. First, click the subscribe button so that you have every new episode waiting for you in the podcast library and you do not miss a good one. Secondly, you could leave a five-star rating or a quick review on Apple Podcasts. You could share your favorite episode with a friend on your social media account. And lastly, at the bottom of the show notes, you will find a link directly to a tip jar where you can support if you feel called to do so. So this week's challenge, we are going to go back to the classic neuroplasticity. We will pick one thing to do with our non-dominant hand every day. Uh, I do encourage you to stick with the same thing each day. And if you're feeling super motivated, maybe you can do um, multiple things each day. So some ideas are eating with your non-dominant hand, brushing your teeth, or you could maybe even do something like write in your journal or color in a coloring book. Oh, and also vacuuming your rugs. So Um, when we're using the hand that we aren't used to using, it actually forces us to be more present, more focused, um, than we would normally be. So that's one of the benefits. Oh, and also eating with your non-dominant hand also forces you to naturally slow down, which has its own benefits as well. Um, so yeah, check in with yourself and see how often you're actually using your non-dominant hand, and see if we can incorporate it a little bit more throughout the day, each day this week. Our guest today is Bria Griffith. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you guys. (laughs) I had so much fun chatting with this woman. She is such an inspiration and her story is so wild. So honestly, be ready to sit back and enjoy the ride. Seriously, you guys, she goes deep today and she leaves us with this mind-blowing recovery story that you cannot help but say, wow, If she can do it, so can I. (laughs) Um, She's fun. She's fun. She has a lot of wisdom that she's gained through her journey. She is so energized. And her enthusiasm for life is honestly contagious. Not to mention, I just adore and love her passion for God. I personally do not think that it takes... um, somebody being religious to respect or admire somebody's passion that goes this deep. And I really love and respect how she shares with us today so much uh, wisdom that she has um, gained through the Bible that has been a major source of strength for her on her journey. And let's see, if you are not a religious person. And so right now you're finding yourself having a reaction um, or resistance to this episode because of this, I strongly encourage you to see if you could dig deep within and dismiss that resistance and listen anyhow, because I truly do not believe that it matters what your beliefs are. Her message is still so powerful. And I really do believe that it will speak to you. I know it spoke to me. Welcome, Bria. Thanks for being here today with me and everyone listening. Thank you so much, Jazz. I am honored to be here. Awesome. 
<laughs> All right. So what I usually do starting out for um, names that maybe aren't familiar names for everybody who might be listening to this, I love to have you kind of start out and share us a little bit about your story and, you know, um, that way people kind of understand why does this woman, Bria, come into the show? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> who is she? What's she gone who through? How can I connect yeah. to her? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well, I think like most people who've had a complex chronic illness, we have a really long story, but I'll try and keep mine shorter and concise. So um, who am I? Let's see. So originally back before my illness, I just was a pretty regular, I guess, girl, high achieving. Um, I actually ended up having a soccer scholarship to Princeton. Um, so I was, you know, very academic, very into athletics. Um, my body started to sort of slowly break down. I guess it was probably, I can now look back actually freshman year of college of 2001, but it was, you know, I was trying to ignore it and it took, uh, and over the next couple of years, I guess by about 2003, I was really starting to see my body lagging um, with a lot of, it started with a lot of digestive issues, um, fatigue, pain, um, insomnia started, um, some rashes, hmm. and I didn't really pay much attention to my personality changing, but it definitely changed from being this very carefree, like, I am going to just enjoy everything there is to enjoy in this world and just loving life, just very, very optimistic, um, go get her. Like, I'm going to just, I'm going to party and I'm going to, I'm going to do awesome in school. And I'm going to be a rock star on the soccer field, like just everything to now, uh, really struggling to have any real, in my opinion, uh, connection with people. I was starting to become, um, what's the word? I'm not withdrawn, but, um, just aloof with people. And, uh, I don't think, I think some people recognize, but I, I don't know if everyone really did. And I was not able to really stay out anymore at night. I was really, really having to become regimented with my sleep and um, with my uh, diet as well. I had a lot of issues with like weight gain, um, just a lot going on. But I just kind of just kept pushing through everything because that's just what I was. And I was a mentally tough, in my opinion. I was a very mentally tough person. And so I just, whatever was going to come at me, I'm going to beat it. I was also this person who just like, if there were rules, like they're there to break. Like that was just my mentality. Like, don't, don't mess with me. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was around 2000 and hold on, 2006 after shortly after I got married to my husband who I met um, at Princeton, he was a rower actually even rode on the Canadian national team. So we both graduated in 2005 I had seen some issues, but you know, it's interesting. It was now I can look back and see that with that relationship and falling in love, that there was some benefits to my body and I was doing better. I was actually marathon running. I was running the Boston marathon. I ran that twice. Um, and so, but my life, I didn't really have a lot of purpose. I don't think, but shortly after we got married again, things just really started to um, fall apart and uh, just very, blood sugar crashes, lips going blue, just, just a lot of crashing and a lot of just my body couldn't handle stress. And, um, I guess it was, it got worse and worse to the point where I was mostly bedridden and I had to stop working. So I was in my early twenties 
And then we went away to him and I decided we were going to go to Venezuela and we were going to um, just go and volunteer. And so he was a Christian, but I was not. I did not believe in God. I just, um, I was a scientist. I studied ecology and evolutionary biology at Princeton and later on went to Yale um, and studied, uh, did my master's there in environmental science. And um, so it wasn't like a missions trip or anything, but I was just like, I want to go and volunteer. I want to help people. And, um, but I was very sick, but regardless, I was like, we're going anyways and really pushed. And it was, it was really traumatic for my body. But once I got there and got away from really civilization out on this sustainable farm that we were on out in the middle of nowhere, just like my body actually started to heal in some ways. And, um, not completely, but you know, I really couldn't, I couldn't run still, even though I should say right after in two, this is before we left for Venezuela, after the fourth marathon I did in 2007, so it was April something of 2007, I ran the Boston Marathon, and um, right after that, I just crashed. Like, I pushed myself through it. It was bad weather. I was sick. I was constantly running through sickness and, um, like, constant infections and sinus infections, which I had struggled with for a long time, and then after that, like, a month later, I just couldn't, I couldn't even run a lap around a track. And uh, I remember even, um, I push, I said to Aaron, I was my, my ex-husband now, um, cause he left me during all of this. Um, he, I was like, I just need to go and push myself and like, get out of this. And I was like, I just need to like, kind of, uh, yeah, it was just like that pushing mentality that wouldn't stop. And I remember trying to push myself to run some um, intervals around the track. And I, I pushed in this one lap. I was like, it was like I was in space and there was no oxygen and my whole body was ceasing on me. And I was like, I just ran 26 miles in three and a half hours. Like, you know, like how can I not do this? Um, so that was a really big indicator to me that there's seriously something wrong. Um, I mean, I went through all kinds of testing. I was diagnosed with Addison's disease and they just said, let's just, you got to take this pill the rest of your life, this cortisol, you're not making cortisol. Um, but you know, I just kind of was like, I, I just, I wasn't, that wasn't an answer for me. Pills were never an answer for me. That was like, there's gotta be a route to this. And anyway, so we're in Venezuela and I actually, um, I hadn't had my period for a good three years. And, um, lo and behold, we actually, I must've ovulated and we got pregnant and, um, something shifted in me after that. We came back, I was really sick, but then we came back and after the first three months, I started to actually feel somewhat better and significantly better actually. And I didn't really do anything other than get pregnant. And um, so our first child was born in 2008 and I was actually functional. I functioned as a mom. I um, then replied to Yale. We went down to Yale and my husband, he was so kind and so generous. Like, I want you to be happy and just so giving. Um, so we did that, got pregnant with our second child while we were down there. And overall, like I was functional, but there were definitely still some issues that I was dealing with that I was just trying to ignore. And then um, 2013, we actually came back to Ontario, Canada, which is where I live now, where I'm from. And um, things actually got really good for about a year. I mean, I was like a rock star on the soccer field again. I had two kids. I had this new job. I was in this, um, my field for the first time. I actually, for the first time in my life, was having somewhat of a career because I was just too sick to ever do anything before that. Um, and, and then all of a sudden within less than a year of being there, my body just started to break down again, the stress on my body. Um, I think I do remember taking this Depo Provera, uh, birth control shot, which I knew I had taken in 2004, which 
I figured had something to do with when my body really slipped into that uh, downward spiral that it couldn't get out of, but I was dumb and just did it again. And things got worse in my body and I had to stop working again. Hormonally, I was a mess. I was just now, I couldn't, I was like, yeah, I'm going to coach my son's soccer team. I've always wanted to coach him. He was four at the time or three. I can't even remember. And here I am. I can't even get out the door to go and, and with the soccer balls and other people were having to do it. So I was like trying my hardest to live this life and just get my mind off of illness and just live. But my body just kept going further downhill. So we've got fast forward to now a few years, it just kept getting worse. And, um, you know, I realized that I was diagnosed. I did all the different things you can do with your diet and your lifestyle and seeing functional doctors, seeing acupuncturists, seeing, you know, all, all Chinese medicine, everything that you can do. And I'd see these temporary shifts or just like openings, I would call them, I guess, but nothing ever stuck. And I just, overall, my trajectory was further down into this place of just, spiraling down and being in bed and a lot of pain, unable to handle really much uh, in terms of, I guess, work or just exertion. Um, and really at that point, it was full-blown mild encephalomyelitis that was, um, you know, that brain just on fire and, and it just was raging in me. So 2000 and I decided though that I the only way I'm going to get out of this is if I get pregnant again I figured that's my that's my key I get pregnant again it's going to shift my hormones and I'm going to get out of this and selfishly I was pursuing getting pregnant but we couldn't get pregnant at this point I wasn't ovulating all my hormones were all over the place and I was constantly getting monitored through the fertility clinic and they identified Hashimoto's thyroiditis and like you need to take this this um I don't even remember Synthroid and uh, that made me feel worse. And that certainly didn't help. And I added fuel to the fire just with, um, you know, insomnia, just pay everything. Uh, and, and eventually I did do the AIP diet for a month. And I, at that point, um, I, for some reason, I don't know what happened, but I got, I got pregnant, but had a miscarriage and they told me about it at the fertility clinic. I didn't even know I was pregnant. I was like, all right, I can get pregnant. And, um, and, and then without their help, without any fertility treatments, the next month we got pregnant. And so that was like, okay, let's do this. And, uh, this is it. This is my ticket out of here. And, uh, so I had a really tough pregnancy. All my pregnancies were tough and I, it, while it helped, it absolutely helped me to sleep. I started to sleep better when I was pregnant, but by the end of the pregnancy, things were really wearing down. There's a lot of life stress going on with my husband's business. It was just struggling. We were struggling financially. Two Princeton graduates. We just never had money. We were always struggling financially to make ends meet. And um, and so when I went into labor with my third child, my daughter, like, like I wasn't even able to take care of two children at this point. But here I am, like selfishly, I need to get pregnant because this is what's going to make me better. And I just believe that once I have this baby, I'm going to be well enough to take care of three children. Just not not wise, um, but, you know, really trying to just be positive about it. And uh, so the labor, unfortunately, was really, really traumatic. And it was not that it was anything bad. Like it was I did a natural delivery, no drugs, because I knew what had happened in my previous um one of my previous deliveries with just my blood blood pressure already being so low and just dropping significantly with an epidural. And I said, no way, nothing is touching me this time. I can't handle it. And um, so I went through that, 
But I mean, just early on in the labor process, I was vomiting and just, it was like every little thing that was happening in my body in a shift, my inside of me was just a magnified, amplified response in my body that was clearly not normal. To the point where when she, I finally delivered her, they put her on me and I felt no love at all, which my first two children, all I had, when they came to me and I had that moment with them, I was just, um, enamored and it was just i'm kissing them even though they're got yucky and full of stuff and yet now with this third one i can feel nothing i'm at the point i can't even speak the words to say as they're putting her on my chest like i can't hold her here i don't have the strength like that's the place that i was in but i didn't realize still after that i started to see a little bit of improvement but then all of a sudden within two weeks my ragweed allergy because it was august which i had had since i was 12 was out of control, bawling my eyes out like I just wanted to die. And then within a couple months later, we had water damage in our house. We had this old farmhouse and um, we had we had this really bad leak. Long story short, we anyway, there was a massive, massive amount of water that was in the crawl space that was a, like soil based. And we didn't know about it, the leak until that water started to actually get out into the concrete part in the basement. And so the remediators came in, they blew it all, like just blew fans in there. And, but I just started vomiting and I just started like my, I'm now having a newborn who I'm nursing and I'm not sleeping and I'm already suffering so badly. And I think that I've got some sort of really bad flu and I'm like, okay, don't I like, I have to nurse this baby, but I can't get her sick, but nobody else is getting sick. And, um, and so from that point, it just got worse and worse and worse. I ended up with pneumonia that winter. I just, it went on and on and on. It just didn't stop. And my body was shutting down so badly. I just couldn't, people were having to take care of my kids, obviously. Like I just became, I was gone. I was, I was, I was lost as a person. And over time, I just ended up um, feeling quite worthless uh, because as a, for someone who was a high achiever, if that's all taken away from you, you being able to do things then um, you just feel like you're, you're worthless. And that's really what was going on in my heart. Eventually, I learned through all of these different alternative health, you know, becoming your own doctor and whatever energy I had, just trying to put into listening to podcasts and whatever I could do, um, I learned about mold and um, kind of went down that pathway and started to build a whole narrative around this is why I ever got sick in the first place. It must have been this building. It must have been that building. Um, and I need to get out of my house and I need to detox everything that's in me. And that's what I was being told. And I did all these testings with doctors that told me you have this gene that it can't, um, it's turned on. Once it's turned off, it can't turn off. Your body can't detox certain classes of bio biological toxins. And you're going to have to avoid these things. These are the lists of things that you're going to have to get rid of in your home and all these different things. So I ended up um, March the 6th of 2017, after over two years of just like complete being gone, really, um, I moved out of my house and I moved into my mom's. And I didn't see any improvement at first, but then um, I was starting to take, uh, goodness me, what was it? Biocidin, I think, Biocidin with uh, the GI detox. And I started to see improvement. And so I'm like, all right, I'm onto something. Um, and, but then all of a sudden I kept going down this pathway of, I need to detox, I need to detox. And I was doing now the shoemaker protocol with a shoemaker doctor. And I, while I had seen some initial improvements, I was becoming more and more sensitive to things. And, um, it was just like this rocky up and down, up and down. 
And it got, it just kept getting worse overall. And now my marriage was falling apart. I wasn't living with my husband. I had to move out of my mom's house because now there was black mold in that basement that had to be fixed. And I tried to move out of that, move back in. And within a day, my body is just falling apart, going down to the place where I cannot speak. I want to, like, I'm writhing in pain and I just, I can't, it's just, I can't stand. And um, so I, I had to do this like emergency move into his aunt's their place and I was there for actually almost a year it was never a plan and unfortunately all of these relationships were now falling apart with them and with my ex and I couldn't take care of my kids um they were just my children just didn't really have anyway it, that's a whole other part of the story that's really sad but my it was like my oldest son was now the one going to care for my daughter like in the middle of the night and just doing things like it was it was pretty bad um and, but I had, because I had seen some improvement through avoidance, like I was just like, I just got to get there. I just got to get there. And, uh, but at some point it was like, I have to make a call and I need to go and do this mold sabbatical thing that I'm being told. I have to just get out myself out into a pristine environment and, um, and I'll just stay there long enough and my body will just detox all these things. And then I'll be able to come back into civilization, so to speak. And so I did that for three months, the first time out in the desert. And I did see a fair amount of improvement, but not hundred percent. And I came back and I was like, I felt like as soon as I got back, I was like at ground zero again. Um, and, but I, but I didn't, I was able to still do some of my avoidance. Um, and then I, but however, I tried to get myself into an actual home now after living outdoors for three months and, uh, in a townhouse and it was five years old. I checked it. I'm like, I'm, I'm sure this has gotta be okay. And I was there for about a month before all of a sudden, oh yeah, I had ordered a, um, a mattress and I didn't have multiple chemical sensitivity before this, but all of a sudden I ordered this mattress on Wayfair and it was all rolled up and it came and I just put it there and I just slept on it. And within a day I was, I was completely, I was, I mean, I couldn't stand, I mean, the, the vertigo, the pain, the, the everything just shut down. It just shut me down. And so got that out of there. Um, but I couldn't get it. I was just, wasn't able to recover. And so my functional neurologist who I've been working with through this journey, and he knew he's like, this is not psychosomatic what you're going through, but I don't know how to help you. This is a maladaptive stress response. I don't know how to help you. And I was like, it's the mold, it's the mold, it's the mold. <laughs> and, um, so he, he's like, well, you know what? Sometimes when people have MCS, they just need their liver to be like detox. And so let's put you on this liver cleanse and and I didn't even get to a therapeutic dose first day. I mean, it took me down further than I had ever been in my life. And I just, I, now I'm at a complete loss. He's at a complete loss and I am dying in my bed. I, within a week I lost, you know, 10 pounds. I can't eat. I'm just, it just kept going. It was like, I was going down to hell more and more. And, um, and so at that point, I'm crying in my bed because all the labs are saying, you know, we can't find out why you are the way you are. Like, yes, there's some elevated liver function or this and that, but there was nothing really pointing to. I'm thinking this is an infection. Like there is a full-blown infection that was either latent or something's happened because there's no way that this is, that's not what this is. And everything's coming back saying no. And I bawled in my bed. I remember just bawling. I was like, I don't want to have to go live outside again. But I just, I put myself out on a cot, my cot, out on my balcony on this townhouse. And within two days, I was up walking. And I was like, come on, like, what is going on? 
So from that point, um, that was probably August or to August of September, 2018. And then <clears throat> now I'm outside and I can because of the weather and I can sleep out there. And I have people come in and try and clean my house. Like family come in just completely not bleached, but whatever it is that they used every single thing in that home to get it clean, but I still couldn't go in. And I started to actually go in and I would get immediately like full blown, just like migraine, my face on fire and my, um, and I felt like I was going to vomit immediately. And I was like, what is going on? And all of a sudden I was hyper reactive to even people, to my children, um, who would come from our farmhouse when they were with their dad and my daughter had long hair and they had to immediately go in and shower and decontaminate in, in, in the shower in order for me to be able to be near them. And I remember one day I didn't even, I just didn't, um, I didn't, I just wanted to hug my daughter. I just wanted to hug her and I thought I'd be fine. And so I just went and hugged her and all of a sudden my body just started to fall apart and immediately, like, I couldn't stand. And I was like, we got to get to the shower. And so her and I just went and decontaminated. And I was fine. I was like, this is, this is crazy. This is like otherworldly. This is not, this is not normal. But I like, that's the experience that I was having. So it kept getting worse. And by the time October, mid-October, I was living, because I couldn't live in this house anymore, this townhouse. I was actually living in my mom's shed in her backyard. because it was the only place that I could tolerate. I tried all these other places that I tried before and nothing. And so I'm in the shed, but now I'm going, Bria, like, what are you going to do? You're in Canada and the weather is about to get to a point. You can't live out here. Like my mom was bringing me meals. She was doing my laundry the way it needed to be done. And all I was trying to do is just avoid anything that was going to make me sick. Cause I was like, and I was like, I have to get functional enough that I can take care of myself again. Cause I wasn't able to, so that I can get myself out to the desert. And I just thought it was my, going to be my solution. So eventually I get myself out to the desert again. It was October of 2018. And I'm like, this is it. I'm going to do this. Like, I just need to stay out here. And as long as possible, like I was on the run and I'm going to stay out here as long as I need to be out here. And this is going to work. And unfortunately, now at this point, I just became so much more sensitive to everything. And my world kept getting smaller and smaller to the point where I couldn't even the places where I had been on my first sabbatical. Now here I am. I can't tolerate even being near a campground. I can't be near anything with EMFs. Like I just can't be near anything. And I ended up um, spending a lot of time up this, uh, uh, what do you call them? A Jeep trail in Death Valley where there's completely off the grid. Nobody's around me. I mean, I had no amenities whatsoever. And I was living outside on a cot. I couldn't tolerate a tent now. I tried, I tried cleaning tents that I bought. I tried everything. I tried rental cars. I tried like 20 different rental cars. And I just couldn't, I couldn't be in one long enough to just like sleep in it. And so I was outside under the stars. <laughs> it sounds super romantic. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I was just out there and I was just, just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I, at some point, I don't exactly remember when the first time it happened, but all of a sudden my reaction to just possessions of mine were creating like suicidal thoughts, um, just like, I mean, I was gone. I was becoming a goner. I was just, I was losing my mind. The one thing that I'd always prided myself on that I was so mentally tough. This was not a mental illness. This was only a physical illness. And now I'm, I'm just losing everything. So, um, 
by January, I started talking to this guy who also had the same illness. Someone connected us and apparently he was really good with avoidance techniques. And so I was listening to him and he was helping guide me through all these things, which unfortunately was just making all of this even worse. I was becoming OCD, something I had never been in my life. And I even labeled it with these people saying, this is OCD. They're like, no, this is just, this is wisdom. <laughs> um, and, but unfortunately I had fell into it because it was the only thing that was working. I was decontaminating myself after everything. I, I was crazy. I was, I was like on the run. It was like, I felt like I'm a fugitive on the run. At some points I literally was having to trash everything that I had bought and start over. I mean, purging the amount of money that people had given me actually as a, go fund me to help me with my health. I was now just having to buy all this stuff and get rid of it. So <clears throat> finally, all our discussions with this man, his name is Brian. We talked a lot about, um, uh, cause we were part of this group group called mold avoiders. And, uh, we, <clears throat> we ended up talking a lot about brain retraining and this group did not believe that brain retraining could work for mold. They thought, yeah, yeah, I can see how it could work with chemicals and, but no, mold is bad. Like there was that like demonic sort of spirit on mold. And, um, and, but anyway, I, I, through this process, I just started to be, to see evidence that this is more about me changing in a moment than it is about my environment changing. Cause everyone's always ex uh, blaming the exterior, the environment. And um, so I, at the same time, as I was learning more about the brain retraining, I actually was just, you know, almost there with, with wanting to start doing, the, I use the dynamic neural retraining system. Um, <clears throat> this friend of mine was also, he was a Christian and I was very anti-God, very anti-Christians. I thought they were very judgmental. I just, I just thought people who needed God were weak. I thought that people um, who had uh, faith in Jesus were, um, just had a screw loose that they were primitive thinkers. Like I was the sort of, I'm the elite. I understand the science of evolutionary biology and I know everything kind of attitude, a lot of pride. Um, <clears throat> but as I started to open my heart to this man and learn about his relationship with God, um, I was drawn in and I, we actually started to read the gospel of John together in the Bible. And I just, within a few weeks of reading the gospel of John with him, he was helping me to understand it. And I was really starting to let go of my old beliefs and just be like, you know what? People have believed in Jesus for thousands of years. No one's been able to disprove that he died on the cross and that he rose again and all these things. I'm just going to like, you know, I'm going to pay attention. And at the same time, I was, I got the DNRS and, um, and I was starting to learn about really the biology of belief. And I was like, holy smokes, because Jesus says <laughs> in Mark eleven twenty three 23, that um, if you believe it in your heart and you do not doubt that you can cast this mountain into the sea. And he says, whenever you pray, pray, believe that you receive it and you will receive it. And that really hit me of like all these things as a belief. And I was like, what is going on? Cause he's describing all of this sort of neuroplasticity stuff that I'm, I'm learning about that has scientific validity to it, which as a scientist, I was very drawn to science. Um, but he's describing all of these things. And at, at the same time, my friend, Brian, I asked him about, you know, how do you, how do you even talk to God? And, um, he's like, you know, you talk to him like he's right there in the room with you. And, um, and like, he's a friend. And, and so one morning I'm in Death Valley, I get up in the morning. I mean, there's nothing around. This place is dead and barren. And 
I just get up on my cot and I look up at the sun because I don't know where else to look. <laughs> just, God, if you're real, like, will you, sorry, I'm going to cry. Ah, it always gets me. He's like, will you let me know? Ah, because to hear I'm at a place where I'm, I am helpless on my own. It finally, my illness finally broke me to a place where like, I can't do this on my own. And I just felt this warmth come in me. It was just this warmth. It wasn't anything major, but it was enough for me to know like I wasn't alone. And from that point, like I just kept talking to my friend Brian and reading the Bible with him and I was learning this stuff and I just kept sinking into and talking to God as if he was right there with me. And so as I was doing this brain retraining, I, I mean, I'm going to have to skip a lot of the actual brain retraining process because that's a whole other journey. But I started in the desert and I started to link the two where I was like, opening my heart to see that potentially everything I ever believed about the world is upside down and wrong. And that my whole belief system can change if I decide to change it, that, that there's authority that I have given to people in this world in terms of um, what I choose to believe. And I've given doctors and science way too much authority. And I started to really under look back as a scientist myself and having gone through understanding somewhat of the academic process in science, that there is so much of man involved in science, like pride, egos, money, just, you know, a lot there. And um, just even their own lens that they're doing their science through that I was like, whoa, there's enough room in here to doubt a lot of the science that I've believed before. And, um, and allow in the end, I get to choose what is absolute truth. And as I'm building this relationship, so at the end of the day, I, I open my heart to Jesus. I let him in. I, I truly believe Jesus is, is God and was, was here. He is God. And I started to open my heart to him and build this relationship with him based on just love and love and love and love. So I realized from my, also from my scientific background that, um, in animal behavior and all these things I had learned that when mom gives birth to baby for any animal, um, that there is a, a bonding that needs to take place. And that what's released at that time is a huge amount of oxytocin. And if anyone's done any brain rewiring, you know that oxytocin is a major feel-good hormone. And it's really what um, in biology they call the trust hormone. And I was like, okay, the only way that I'm going to be able to believe you, God, that the Bible is absolute truth and that I can stand on these words and I give these words authority in my life is if I actually trust you. And the only way for me to trust in you is for me to grow in a love relationship and have that bond. And so that was ultimately when I did my brain retraining without going to all the details, that became the absolute crux of like, it, what I get to choose and there is an absolute truth out there. And I have to submit now, if I believe in Jesus, I have to believe that everything in here is truth and I can't take part of it. And I can, I have to take all of it. And I just started to build that really what the Bible says in, I think it's in Matthew. I'd have to go to it, but it's about talks of when Jesus talks about how, um, you need to build your house on the rock and not on the stand because uh, on the sand because storms are, of the life are going to come. They're, they're inevitable. And I realized that I was like, my life, I kept falling down and falling down, get back up, fall down again, get back up, fall down again, that I, for once and for all, my heart had to change. And, cause, and, and I was learning so much about the heart, condition of the heart through Jesus. 
and that I need to now build my house on the rock. And that rock is his love. That rock is his unconditional love. And so my whole healing flipped on its head and it all became now about um, learning to believe in my heart and not to doubt that I am who God says I am. And I am able to receive all the things that he says in his word. And in the end, after, um, let's say, an, uh, it was about a 13 month process before I was doing my testimony. I have a testimony with the dynamic neural retraining system. Um, it's it, anyway, it's a, it's a pretty popular testimony because you actually see me in the desert and some of the things I went through. Um, so by that, that was about a 13 month process from when I started. And that whole time was now about me learning to build a whole new way of breathing, thinking, living. And, and in my opinion, it was me learning to uh, commune with God and stay in this place where I am walking in his love for me. And out of that, there's this empowerment that comes to be able to withstand and really fend off, guard my heart and be able to walk in this world, which is filled with stressors at every moment. And I'm able to now um, not have them take me down. And so over time, I was slave, I was able to build my my zone, you would call it, and be able to start to claim, reclaim my life again. Um, so now I am fully healthy. And um, yeah, so that's that's the journey. I know that was a really long story, but <laughs> what, what um what when did you start DNRS? It was in the desert in January of 2019. Okay. And did you do the whole program all 13 months out in the desert? Uh, no. So I came back. Um, I made a big mistake uh, early on, which was to think that um, if I believe it, that means if I just choose to believe it, I can do it. I didn't understand that you can believe something consciously, but not yet believe it in your heart. And so I was starting to push myself to go and do some things that I hadn't done in a really long time. And I ended up falling really badly to the point where my mom actually had to come. I was, I was literally taken in an ambulance out from the middle of the desert. Somebody had to call 911 and I was taken to the hospital. And then my mom had to come. I couldn't take care of myself at that point, but then she, she was with me, but it, I mean, this, I literally, I just became a derealization, all these kinds of things that started to happen. But it was, I had to take a leap of faith because I did still believe in the power of doing DNRS, especially for me. It was like, I believe this is with God. And I had to take a leap of faith. It was middle of March or end of March. I can't remember. Um, I flew home with my mom. And because I realized that if my, I, if she, either she was now having to live this ridiculous life with me out in the desert, which was not, she was already sick herself, or if she left me, then I might kill myself. And I just realized I'm like, I don't, I, I can't be alone and I can't do this to her. So I um, came home and I started, I said, I don't care if I have to start from rock bottom again. Like I'm, I'm going home. And I did, I did start from rock bottom again. Um, but yeah, so then from there I was in her sunroom, living in her sunroom and slowly making my way into a home. And I was wearing a mask uh, a lot, most all, actually all the time at first. And then, um, I was slowly able to take it off longer. Mm. So you had, how did you learn about DNRS when you were in the desert away from all like technology and everything? Yeah. So I, I was able to come back on, um, you know, here and there. And so to, to, uh, use my phone, like talking to my friend Brian and to go on our mold avoiders group, uh -huh. um, 
So that was really it. And I had already, to be honest, I actually already knew about DNRS. I forgot that part that a doctor had told me about it um, partway through my avoidance journey. She's like, you sounds like you need your limbic system rewired. And my uh, functional neurologist at the time was when I told him about it, he couldn't really see what was in DNRS, but he was basically like, this is implying that your illness is psychosomatic and it's not, and you can't rewire the limbic system. Like he just didn't know how to do that. So I dropped it, but mm. then, you know, it, it kept coming up. So it was already something on my radar. Yeah. It sounds like through your whole journey, the key like theme in your life was uh, pushing mentality, like really needing to push, push, push. I've got this. I'm strong enough. I'll just push through it. Yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you now in hindsight, I never would have seen this before, but again, through God helping me reveal my heart and, um, and me being able to actually finally look inside my heart. I can see that my whole life, even from a young age, I hid and ran from my own insecurities and my own weaknesses. And I did that by trying to ignore that they were there. And I tried to push through and I tried to get my worth through doing and achieving and just trying to ignore it. That didn't work because it actually did get lodged into my heart. And I just was trying. And so I found that a lot of times people who act like they're really confident and they're loud and they're just like, you know, they're actually very insecure people. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what happened to me over, over time. There were a lot of insecurities and it really became paramount. I believe that a lot of those insecurities just got lodged in my body. I didn't feel the insecurity or know I was insecure. Um, but over, as I started to heal and withdraw from and use this program to help me see when I was, you know, and I need to withdraw from some of my old, the old me, the old sick me um, related to illness that now they started to really bubble up and started to come out. And all of a sudden I had fear of everything. Just fear, 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 fear was coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think fear is a really common factor when you find yourself chronically debilitated and have that, you know, your world gets smaller and smaller as sensitivities and uh, hypervigilance gets larger and larger. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Um, When... You did your testimony. You said it was only 13 months later. That's really fast. Like, I mean, we can't put time on it, you know, but at the same time, that is really fast for how sick you were and for how many different things you were going through. Yeah. And you just truly got to a point where you're like, wow, I'm better. This is it. So it's funny. I just made a video. I have a YouTube channel. And um, one of the things that I has come out uh, again, I keep getting insight and wisdom from all this stuff. It's not, it's never going to end. But I, when I did that testimony, first of all, I believe God called me to do it. If you hold this, heard the story of how it even came to pass, I wasn't seeking doing it. And I was like, God, I'm going to have to trust you that I can do this and get on this plane and go and do this. And, um, I believed it. The funny part is I believed it in my heart. You could not tell me that I was sick, but I look back now I am much healthier than I was then. And I am way freer than I was there then, but I gave no value or significance to anything in that was coming up in my body because I saw it as this resistance in a sense, like my, the fear of new or unknown or change. So anything new that I was doing, there was a resistance. And so there would be um, symptoms that would come up in the body, but I never gave them any value. I was like, Oh yeah, whatever. I already know I'm healthy. And I kept going through it. So yeah, in, in the end, I still sometimes feel like I've got a little, not a little more healing, but I just get more and more freedom. I'm like, oh man, yeah, I feel even freer in that area now. 
That's amazing. Yeah. Ah. So you feel, you already said you feel completely healthy and awesome now. Do you still have like acute symptoms or things show up in your life these days? No. So I'm completely healthy to the place where, I mean, if you looked at my life now, it's amazing. You know, with my three kids, I own my own home. I got my own business. I run six to seven miles a day. Like I just, um, I'm in Bible college full time. Um, the only thing I would say is that I still have to be, not have to be, because of what I know now, especially about the what I believe to be true about um, God and how the, the, the default condition of people when we come into this world is a state of stress. And really, all stress comes from fear. And I have to learn to be able to navigate in a world that where and not be conformed to it. Actually, the Bible says, do not be conformed to the patterns of the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that word transformed actually is some metamorpho, a metamorphosis in the Greek. So it's like actually a transformation that happens as you, um, as you put that off. So constantly I am inundated with opportunities to stress or to do things out of fear, the way that um, the world truly, I believe most people operate. Um, most people are running on stress hormones, whether they know it or not. (laughs) And so that, that comes up and I have to now hold on a second. Um, I see something or I I sense something in my nervous system. That was kind of a interesting key for me was like in the journey of healing, I recognized the actual power of having that sensitive nervous system because I could always check, Hmm, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? Why am I doing this right now? Um, if my nervous system was kind of telling me. Uh, and I learned that through the Bible, also in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it talks about the fruit of the spirit, which the spirit's God, but it's love. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control or temperance. And so I could look at those and I could be like, which one of these am I not operating in right now? And I can guarantee you there was generally way more than one of them. But when my nervous system was acting up, I wasn't, I wasn't um, responding in those, those nine fruit of the spirit. And um, so that was like a key over time that helped me to, to see. And so now I, I, what I see it is like in the way that I coach people and the way that um, I've really learned through my Bible college, which is like brain retraining with the Bible um, is like there's the opportunity always to either walk in what we call the flesh or the spirit and your soul is the place where you you are sovereign you have full control over how you respond your soul is is yours to choose and so you can choose one way or the other so i can easily find when my either my my emotions or uh yeah generally emotions (laughs) are trying to drive a response in me and that's my flesh and I'm like, okay, I'll have to go. Usually for me, it's like, I let the word of God tell me when I'm wrong. Like the Bible says not to ever complain or grumble. And it's like, okay, yeah, that means I can see now why, like he's telling us to do these things for our own benefit. Okay. Then I need to learn God, what's your perspective on this? And I talked to him about it, like, what's your perspective on this so that I can come in line with that so that then I'm not living out of my flesh, which leads to the Bible actually says it leads to death. It's like, it actually is a response in that body. It's like a downward spiral to death. And by death, I mean depression, disease, sickness. So that's like, um, that I find that it's getting, 
uh, I'm just getting stronger and stronger in my ability to discern, I guess, and, um, and recognize these things faster before I fall down those pathways. But when I do, I don't condemn myself. I don't come down and say, great, you suck at this. Like you should be over this by now. Cause I realize that if I do that, that then I'm actually just feeding that loop further. And so I find my, like that place of compassion and, but also at the same time, that's not who I am. And, um, and I'm going to see myself again through visualizations. I see myself who I, who God wants me to be, who I want to be. And then I can start to and um, embody that and start to act out of that instead and break free from some of those old patterns that um, I would call are just my strongholds. Like they're fleshly, they're memories, they're programs that have been ingrained from past things in my life. Wow, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. We're so the the premise that I coach under is like you're a three part being. You're a spirit, a soul. You say you are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your conscience, really. Um, and and then you live in a body. So I'm not my body, and but my body can certainly tell me things <laughs> when I'm not lining up with um, you know the the, the spirit really. My my yeah anyway because i believe i'm filled with the holy spirit and so he i'm trying uh, and through a process with all this I, i'm not going to get into but i'm i'm doing not my best because it's not me i'm letting him flow from inside out of me it's like your soul is a valve and um and i can open up that soul valve to let what's inside of my spirit come out which is really where he he comes out where the only i, I believe you can only find that ability um, it's not within yourself, it's within God to operate in those, like the nine fruit of the spirit, which I just mentioned. Um, and then from there, as you let that soul valve open and, and that his spirit start to flow out of your soul it into your body, your body starts to come in line, which is really shalom, abundance, peace, joy, prosperity in your body, just in every way. So that's, that's the, kind of the premise that I coach from. That's awesome. And then you kind of have your own brain retraining practice at this point, right? Like where you, where it's more individualized to the client's needs. Yeah, absolutely. So most of my clients come with a, a knowledge already, not all, but a, a knowledge already and have uh, purchased a program. You know, there's like the ANS rewire, there's Gupta, there's DNRS, there's probably a few other ones. Those would be the main three. And um, that helps because then I don't have to spend time I don't, I don't want to waste their money either with me having to actually teach these principles, but I do help them then to put that deeper understanding on it and then start to apply practically based on, um, you know, especially cause I don't, I don't share the same faith with all of my clients. There, there are many clients that I have that don't share the same faith in Jesus. Um, and so I, I work and adapt to them. And then I also, I work on a committed basis with people because I have found in this journey, it's, it's kind of like you're the, as you're the coach, you're like the seasoned veteran who's gone through war and you get this newbie on the field. Like you're going to pair them up with a seasoned veteran who can show them the ropes of how to do it. And so I help people avoid the minds. And as life goes on, there's always circumstantial stressors that come up. And so we can use these now as, as um, opportunities for them to change the response and use it as an opportunity to rewire their brain so it helps when I'm meeting consistently with these people and they're not just coming out and saying, help me, I'm in the middle of a crisis. We're building along the way. Um, so I've seen the most success with the people that I work consistently with. 
Like once a week or so? Yeah, once a week. So, well, starting once a week, but then sometimes at some point they get far enough along that it's every three weeks. Um, and, and they're, cause they're really getting equipped themselves. They're learning the tools, they're taking it, they're learning it through experience. So now they know how to apply it. Um, and they're just, yeah, they're on their way. That's awesome. Yeah. You mentioned something about visualizations. Do you still have any daily practices that you engage in regularly to maintain your well-being? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I have a, for me, my relationship with God is 90, I easily 80% of my health. And so what my program became was my prayer time with God. And that's very, it's very directed in the sense of like, I'm st- I would still do some amount of a visualization. Um, but I don't do it that specifically every day. Um, but I certainly, I mean, one of the big things I do is I worship God. I put on worship music and I literally, I'll just praise him. I also, um, I'm now, it's going to sound really crazy, but I'm what you call baptized in the Holy spirit. And I speak in tongues. I got this spiritual language. It just, I didn't even believe in it before. It just came out of me when I got baptized in it. And so that's something that has been a huge gift from God that, um, that I do as well. When, if there's any stress and fear coming up, I don't know what to pray. I can just start praying in that. And it just really starts to, um, bring peace and keeps me in his love and, um, and also just brings wisdom in the end. So it's very different than probably what most people do. I still eat a healthy diet. You know, I try and eat organic. I try and eat a lot of vegetables. I don't always do it. Uh, I'm not tied to it. I definitely love to exercise, but I also find that it, it has in the past been bondage for me where like I need to exercise. So I've had to realize that some of these things I've had to find a place where I can release those needs and realize I'm complete in God. And that's the most important thing. Those things are awesome and they are beneficial, but the main, um, the, the main really foundation of my health is really his, my relationship with him, which is based on just his unconditional love. It's a very intimate relationship that I have now with God, Mm -hmm. which I didn't believe I could ever be spiritual in my life. Like I, I thought I was spiritually defective. Like I, everything that I say now, I'm like, man, at some point I've judged so many people for saying these things, but now that's me. (laughs) So beauty of it all. It's okay. Yeah. We just know what we know and do the best we can with what we got. And then we learn more and yeah. 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 Um, so that's really cool about the exercise because now it's more like you just do it because you enjoy it and yes. it's fun, but there's not yes. the need attached to it yes. where it's like, I, if I yes. don't do this, I won't look this certain way. I won't have this or I won't be strong enough and I won't be yep. worthy. Oh yeah. yeah. And I actually, I had such a problem with binge eating for a long time and exercise became, it was like a form of bulimia in a way. It was like, now I need to go and I need to make up for this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there was so much guilt associated with that. And so there's a, there's a lot that in, in those months of healing, man, like I just, I can't even overemphasize the amount of like just new growth and maturity and wisdom that I just didn't have before. So yeah, now it's like, I still have to catch myself with the whole, Ooh, like I want to, I need to get that workout in. And it's like, no, you know what? Like, it's good for you. There's a, there's always this balance you got to live in. Right. And it's the tension between two truths that make the truth complete. And one side of it is, it's absolutely healthy to go and exercise. And I'm not just going to sit on my butt and visualize myself exercising or be like, Oh, I'm healthy. I'm just going to claim that I'm healthy and I'll just visualize it and I'll be healthy. But on the other side, you certainly can't get into this place where you start to have this to-do list of earning 
your health. I need to do this. It starts to control you and your decision making. Um, then, you know, you're in, I call it bondage on the other end. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's an interesting <laughs> one. Cause it, that's an interesting place to like find that middle ground because especially when you do really love something so much but to like really check in and know is this drive for me to feel this need to do this right now based on like my body craving it or because there's this underlying old belief that if I don't go do it yeah Yeah. I know that one (laughs) and that's what's so powerful is like what I learned um through the bible with with Jesus it's like he he describes the human heart the condition of the human heart better than anybody and it's so interesting because two people can do the exact same thing on the outside and I've seen this with brain rewiring too it's like I can have clients who are doing the exact same thing on the outside and one's getting results and one's not it's because of we go back to the heart like what what is it in their heart their motivation behind why they're doing it and so often it's that that fear or like just they just need a they just want to do it because it's a formula and they just believe if they do the formula and they do this right and they do that that it's going to work and man that's where you start to see huge differences in why things work for some people and don't work for the others so that's why i try to help another reason i work with people consistently is like the bible says out of the abundance of the heart the man speaks and actually says as a man thinks in his heart therefore he is um, there's so many things about the heart, but I start, I can hear what, I, when I get to know them long enough, I can hear what's coming out of them and I can start to recognize their different insecurities and fears and guilt and judgment and all these things that are going on that are, that are, um, the motivation behind a lot of their behaviors. And so I help with that as well. There's a lot of core beliefs that, um, that need to be un, uncovered, the limiting ones that we can people, you know, cause limiting beliefs are really a ceiling to your healing. So um, that's a that's another big thing that I think was a huge part of my journey that I I see a lot of me old me in my clients that I can then speak to and help them <laughs> get free from it. I really like that saying limiting beliefs are a ceiling to our healing. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's so true. I, so have true. Que- I have a question. Um, I, I was reading through your blogs and your video blogs and all that stuff. And there was something, there was something that caught my eye and it was la- it was labeled or titled stop living mm-hmm. by your feelings. Yes. What does that mean? Oh my goodness. Well, to start, um, it certainly means that in the process of healing this way, what you're doing is you are putting off an old you, an old identity, and you're putting on a new identity, which actually in the Bible talks about second Corinthians five seventeen, where it says like, um, if you are a, in Christ, you are a new creature. Behold, all the old has passed away and everything is new. So that was my realizing I had an old identity and now I have a new identity in Christ. And um, so people who are living by their feelings are just, they're operating out of that old identity. And so as you're a new person, we have to learn to act and think greater than the way that we feel. It's mandatory in order to actually have your brain function change. Um, so there's this detachment that has to happen. Again, I go back to spirit, soul, and body. I live in a body, but that's not me. And you can start to observe these things that are happening in your body and even emotionally, like the reactions that you're having, having, and you're starting to play that curious observer and not give them any significance or attaching any significance or value to them anymore. It takes a while. It's not easy, especially as those 
those it's or sorry those symptoms are getting loud it's like they're talking they're literally talking to you um and so it it's a process over time of changing that response like it's like i'm not going to ignore that you're there i'm going to recognize it but i'm just going to say you're coming and you're going that's not who i am anymore and uh, anyway there's a whole process in that so that's a big piece of being able to actually get out of living by your feelings where you're saying that okay today i wake up i feel like this today there's no way that i can go and do that interview today or i can no cannot go to the gym today and so there's a process that you put in place through incremental training where you can actually start to um, use some tools through brain rewiring to be able to support yourself as you are stepping up out of what's your kind of your comfort zone without it actually being pushing and that's again the balance of all this because so often the people that are in these situations are strivers. They are high achievers. They are like, I'm just going to do it. And it's going to work. Um, and there's certainly a balance to like that diligence side and being committed and dedicated, but it's learning a new way of doing that. So that's kind of like a, at least physically, but there's so, so much more to not living by your feelings. It's, it's choosing that my feelings don't get to decide anymore how I'm going to behave and who I am ultimately. When you say feelings, are you referring to physical sensations or referring to emotional feelings? Both. I'm actually referring to both. And, and that's where, oh man, the, um, the, yes. And so that's where for me, it was like, this is what the word of God says. The Bible says that I'm supposed to rejoice in every circumstance, but your heart is starting to say, but, and you know, I can feel this way because this person hurt me, or this is normal to feel this way, or anyone in my situation would feel this way and act this way, especially emotionally, I'm now talking, that I had to learn that I was like, hold on a second, if the Bible's telling me then I have the capacity in, in the spirit to be able to actually do these things and I don't have the right perspective right now. So it was like, there's a lot in the background there that had to happen and unravel in me so that I was no longer responding to those emotions. And I, I have to help coach people through that too, to see that um, they're just gonna drive inflammation in your body and so generally we do need to get to kind of that deeper and not go and explore too much because brain rewiring is not about exploring, but um, like the past, but there's going to be something revealed in the heart and some, some offense or something in the past that has um, insecurity that is rooted behind that emotion. And, um, and we want to be able to release that and now choose a new perspective. And that's why it helps me when I'm working with people who are willing to like, listen to, this is what the Bible says, and there's wisdom in this and, and applying this and choosing to believe this. And then they can start to see those shifts and start to pull away and withdraw and harness their emotions and live above them. I mean, I can't, that was a major part of my healing journey, major. So it wasn't just physical, it was also the emotional. So where do you stand then on the idea of like allowing the full spectrum of human emotions to pass through us? Right. So, yeah. So there's a difference between stuffing and denying. Um, but I certainly had to um, recognize that my brain, especially in the healing process, if my brain is hyper reactive to say chemicals or other things, exertion, my I'm also hyper reactive or overreactive to um, maybe offense or little things. And my emotions that are coming up are not actually indicative of the root level of, of something. And so I started to see it that way. And I was like, okay, let's start to observe that. Is there really a need to, um, step into this place where now grief is coming out and sorrow. And I just want to sit in it because I need to just emotionally detox. 
Um, and I just, in my body, it did, it was not, it was not healing me. It certainly wasn't. So I could come to God for me. It's like, yeah, my relationship with God, I come to him, he comforts me, but then immediately he's like, all right, let it go. And we're going to go forward into this place of ex expectation, like sort of confident expectation of good in the future. And, um, so a lot of it, so much of that actually perspective shifting, allowed me to realize that I don't have to actually allow these emotions to be, um, the, allow them really. I don't, I don't have to live by them. And so I truly, I mean, it, I, I went by the Bible and I still do, and it's been super powerful to get free from, um, from all of that sort of, I guess, kind of being victim to the emotions. But like, even the Bible says Jesus wept. Like there's literally the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept after his, one of his best friends died. He did raise him from the dead, but like it, it so he, he, there's compassion in there. Absolutely. There's, there's so much that's there, but it's like, what do we do with it now? And so don't stuff it. We acknowledge it. It's there, but we don't have to sit in these things in order to, um, we can, we can release them and now choose to step out of the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes with certain clients, do you find that they do need to go into old stuff that's been repressed to release it, to be able to like, therefore then create a new perspective and move forward? Yeah. So again, I try, I just say, listen, it's going to come up. <laughs> We're going to deal with it as, come, as it comes up. I don't want you to go and overanalyze. And cause so many people are overly analytical once they get mm -hmm. into this state. Um, and so we don't want to go and put on a new lens and just go and search for how big your problems are and why. And did it. cause that again, like I could do that. I did the same thing with my, my own parents saying that like, well, it's, this is why I was sick. And you know, I, I just, it was not, I, I realized my brain is Teflon to the good right now. And it is Velcro to the bad. And I don't have a clear lens while I'm sick, while I'm doing this. Um, so, so oftentimes I help them to be like, you know what, as it comes up, then we're going to go through it and we can start to see the heart come out absolutely very powerful because i think otherwise brain rewiring ends up becoming this behavioral modification thing where it's just like oh i'm just gonna laugh now i feel sad i'm just gonna laugh yeah it's gonna get you so far but it's not gonna if you're still dealing with something that's a, a past trauma in there that you've not recognized or or released then um it's just gonna keep it's just gonna keep happening <laughs> yeah, it's just putting a Band-Aid on it, yes. you know, and we talk about how the Western medicine and the holistic and all these other things are just Band-Aids, but how, that example you just gave is just another layer of a Band-Aid. Yes. And so rather than like just dealing with the core issue so right. that you can get to the bottom of it and release it and no longer have that be this constant trigger, because otherwise it's like, okay, trigger brings up core wound. I get sad. I just go make myself laugh. But like yeah. that trigger is going to show up in life over and over and over again. Yes. And, and do you yes. really want to be on this roller coaster where, you know, you have to go make yourself do something to change it rather, which is yeah. great. That's empowering. But could you actually heal it so that you're not triggered for the rest of your life? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if you had only one message that you could share with the world for the rest of your life, what yeah. would that message be? Oh my goodness. I would probably have to go with, um, first John four eighteen. If anyone ever wants to pull out a Bible, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And so I believe that ultimately, um, so much of what we're even saying can be healed 
through um, understanding and recognizing the power of God's intimate, unconditional love. And that alone starts to just change us from the inside out. And, um, and it starts to eliminate, just reduce, dissipate, and cast out all of fear, which again, I said earlier, stress, I believe is rooted in fear. Um, so yeah, that's my main message to people is ultimately that, and we can all receive it. We just need to fix our receivers on how to receive that perfect love from God. And nobody in this world will ever compare to his love. Every person will at some point disappoint you in life. And so that's, yeah, that's my, that's my message is that he's love and he wants to just have that intimate relationship with every single one of us and that nobody else in this world can have the relationship that God can have with you. We all have that own individual relationship and he never would have made this world without you. And, um, and that he's, he's so wanting to walk and, and grow in that relationship with you. That would be my message. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. And how can people connect with you if they're interested in possibly co getting your, you know, getting yeah. a relationship going with coaching or what have you? So my website is briacatrin.com. Um, I think pretty much everything you can find through there. I'm also on Facebook, Bria Katrin Wellness Coaching. I am on YouTube. I do a lot of just videos. I, I actually do a fair amount of just teaching and giving advice um, on my YouTube channel, uh, which you can access through my website, or it's just actually under my name. It's not under Bria Katrin Wellness Coaching. It's under Bria Griffiths. So yeah, those would be the ways to connect with me. What is Katrin? What is Katrin? That's my middle name, Bria Katrin. Oh, okay. So your name is yeah. still Griffiths. Yes, yes. Okay, I saw I saw both, so I didn't know if it, it was a ch name change. <laughs> well, my married name was Craker. No, I'm I'm Bria Griffiths is my maiden name. Katrin is my middle name. What do you feel like is the biggest gift in everything you've gone through, even though oh. you've gone through all these rock bottoms and the pain physically and emotionally you've experienced? I mean, I, it's probably obvious from what I've already said, but I mean, I never, ever, ever would have come to a place of giving up my pride and my independence and turning to God. I think that just the way the world teaches us to be strong and independent um, was a complete disaster for me in my life. So um, that would be the, the main thing. And now the fruit of it, I see it in every, every relationship in my life. Um, so just knowing him, uh, not that he put it on me, that's not God. But knowing that uh, now I have such, I was forced to grow into such a place of trust and dependence on God, um, that that's by far been the greatest gift. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and sharing your story. That was really awesome to hear. I've, I've actually, I remember watching a long time ago, your testimony, your original testimonial, and it was really I just feel like you have a story that it's like, if someone's listening to it, it's one of those stories where they automatically say, if she can do it, okay, there's no reason I can't, you know, because yeah. it's a pretty wild story. It is. It is. Yeah. And the, the last thing I want to say though, is like some people, um, and some people have said this to me is like, and I have to remind them, listen, that testimony is like 10 minutes. <laughs> you can just see all the highlights. Okay. You don't get to see the pain and the suffering and the tears and the crying and the hard, hard work that I went through. It just seems like, Oh, it just, it worked. Um, so I try to help people to see and cling to the good and the little changes. Cause that's what I had to do is the brain and the body were just all over the place. Mm -hmm.
Yeah. Awesome. I love it. I think I love the most how you were like, oh, at the 13 months um, testimony, I realized looking back that I'm so much healthier now, but that the difference or the, the deciding factor at that time was that you were so so certain like in, yeah. your, like in your conscious, you were like, no, I am healed. I am good. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's just that knowing that, that yep. confirmation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Okay. Well, you know, I do appreciate you being here. I'm so excited. We got to finally connect and yeah. I look forward to sharing this with everyone who's listening. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me, having me, Chaz. So what do you think? Isn't she wonderful? A wise sage once said I'm just kidding <laughs> fill in the blank uh, honestly um, I just want to check in with you guys out there listening I want to know if you have a story that you feel compelled and ready to share maybe your story is exactly what somebody else needs to hear for their motivation on their journey if you do feel like you're ready to share your story I encourage you to reach out and let's have a chat as a reminder we are exercising and using our non-dominant hand throughout daily tasks this week. And as always, make this week great.